Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio. Vision Kids! Problem solved. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. There's been a huge number of instances of honouring of William Cooper in Australia, plus also at Yad Vashem in Israel where Norman and I were privileged to attend and there were 17 parliamentarians from Australia from a bipartisan group and uh, basically William Cooper was honoured there with a chair of resistance to the Holocaust named after him. The Story G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Our guest today is once again author Barbara Miller. As we heard last time, Barbara has had a keen interest in working for Aboriginal advancement since 1970, and her husband Norman is an Aboriginal Australian. Today, Barbara will share with us the remarkable story of William Cooper, who she says is the closest Australia has to a Martin Luther King figure. William Cooper championed the rights of Indigenous people his entire life. Cooper also fought for the rights of people outside of Australia, most notably in the 1930s. He organised a march to protest the treatment of Jews at the start of the Holocaust. Today, we'll learn about this and a lot more as Barbara Miller shares William Cooper's inspiring story. Once again, Barbara is joining us from her home in Cairns in northern Queensland, and she's chatting with Eric Scatterbo. Barbara Miller, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Eric. A pleasure to be with you. So glad to have you with us again. And you've written more than one book about William Cooper. Is that right? I've written three books about William Cooper, which probably sounds amazing. But the first one I did, William Cooper, Gentle Warrior, in 2012. Mm -hmm. And then I felt like it needed to be updated because the family has been following up on his story. And so in 2019, I wrote White Australia Has a Black History. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, Shattered Lives, Broken Dreams. So when I did the update, I felt there was enough information there for two books, one on his work for Aboriginal people and one for his um, involvement with Jewish people. Wow. So a whole lot there. What got your interest in his life to begin with? How did you even become inspired to write about him or become interested in him? Well, it was actually through another book called One Blood by John Harris, who was writing about the history of Aboriginal missions in Australia, which I was quite interested in. And then I came across the name William Cooper and how he had been involved with starting Aboriginal Sunday uh, which in 1940, in January, which eventually became NAIDOC or National Aborigines and Islanders Week. And so I thought, well, I've been celebrating that for years. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to find out this is the origin of it and that William Cooper was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so that got my interest um, straight off. At, at that stage, I had no plans to write a book about yeah. him. But uh, things uh, developed And I found out later on, I mentioned in my first interview how Norman and I were working on saying sorry to Jewish groups in Australia with Mm -hmm. regard to Evian when Australia closed the doors virtually to Jewish refugees or almost left the door a little bit ajar. 
um, which resulted in many lives being lost, unfortunately. Um, and so when Norman and I went to Jeremy Jones, who was in Sydney, who was the head of the Executive Council of Australian Jewry and said, sorry, he actually got a photographer to come in and take a um, photo of us. And we had handed him a certificate with a written apology on it. Mm -hmm. And that ended up in a, a Jewish newspaper, which we would not have seen, but a friend of ours in Sydney posted it to us in Cairns. And in that newspaper, there was an, also an article of how the Holocaust Museum in Melbourne was honouring William Cooper because he led this protest against Kristallnacht, the start of the Holocaust. And I thought, wow, so there's more to that William yeah. Cooper story than I thought. So my interest was piqued because mm -hmm. he was ticking a number of boxes for me. One, he was um, a Christian. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he was an Aboriginal leader who worked, as he called it, the words he used were the uplift of his people. Um, and thirdly, um, he had a heart for the um, Jewish people and stood up when they were being killed and sent to concentration camps, etc. So he ticked all the boxes yeah. for me. Well, he's ticking all the boxes for me too. I want to hear his story. Let's let's find out where was yeah. he born and raised, or let's go before him. Let's find out about his parents as well. Okay, so his mother was a tribal woman called Kitty, mm -hmm. and she is, is such amazing because you know you've got the link with William Cooper right back until white settlement in Australia because mm -hmm. his mother saw the first white settlers come to the Murray River mm -hmm. area and start to take land there and bring their sheep, etc. And so his father was um, an itinerant non-Indigenous person who wasn't very involved in, in his life, but he was close to his mother and he made a real effort to to try to pray her and talk her into becoming a Christian, which she resisted for quite some time. Uh, she wouldn't go to the mission where, where William was at Maloga as a boy, but she stayed in her little humpy away from the mission. But he uh, eventually she gave her heart to the Lord too. Oh, okay. Now you mentioned mm -hmm. he was at a mission. How did that come about? Well, uh, there were missionaries called uh, Daniel and Janet Matthews, and they were really concerned because there were some uh, young Aboriginal girls who were becoming pregnant much too young mm -hmm. um, by men who were working in the area and basically just didn't look after them or, or the babies mm. and because uh, uh, they didn't want to have babies of, of colour, I suppose you could say. So... Basically, Daniel and, and Janet gathered up some of these children and started a mission. And because William's sister was one of the girls that came to the mission, that was how Daniel went out and, and picked up her brothers and brought them in with Kitty's permission. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's how he got there. Was that a positive experience for William to be there at the mission? It was very positive for him because uh, he learned to read and write, mm -hmm. and later on, um, he was very prolific in letter writing to newspapers and parliamentarians, but the biggest thing was that that's where he became a Christian, mm -hmm. and uh, he heard the um, stories 
of uh, the Hebrews coming out of slavery in, in Egypt and uh, they sang Negro spirituals. And uh, Daniel Matthews was very much for standing up for the rights of Aboriginal people and uh, imbued that in those who made up the um, mission. So, uh, yes, even at an early age, Daniel encouraged William Cooper and his brothers to write a petition to try and get their land back Hmm. so that they could um, have some land for, for farming. Let's find out a little bit more about this missionary couple, Daniel and Janet Matthews. What's what's their background? Well, look, it's a very interesting um, story. Um, Daniel was very much against um, slavery or, or maltreatment of people. And one of the reasons for that is because his father was actually a captain of a um, slave trading hmm. boat. Yeah. This was in the 1830s. Mm-hmm. John Matthews, his name was, and he was taking um, slaves from West Africa to the West Indies. And he had an amazing encounter one day while he was out at sea, and he had a vision of a ghostly figure of a man who was in the um, chart room where the maps were Mm -hmm. in a boat and pointing to a certain latitude and longitude. Now, this really intrigued um, John Matthews, and he felt, I've, I've just got to go there. <laughs> just Something just pushed him into going there. Mm. So he actually went to that latitude and longitude, and um, he saw a man drifting on a raft there, and it was the same person that he had seen in the vision. Oh, wow. So, of course, he rescued him, but, I mean, what an amazing thing to happen. Yeah. Um, obviously, this man was a Christian, and uh, he'd been clinging to that raft and praying that someone would save him. And the chances of that were extremely low, yeah. as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. However, God used John Matthews to go there and save him. And in conversations with this uh, man he rescued, uh, John Matthews was challenged to become a Christian. And uh, he threw his rum overboard and he decided he was never going to be a slave trader again. Obviously, he paid for that, Mm. but um, that meant then that Daniel grew up in a family where they had regular prayers around the dinner table and uh, talked about their faith. Mm -hmm. And then Daniel, the son. And then Daniel migrated to Australia. Mm -hmm. And became married to Janet. And her father, um, her father was um, a missionary also. Oh, okay. So, missionary heritage. And we should say that William Cooper was born in 1860 and died in 1941. So, just so the listeners kind of have an idea of the time when he lived. So, this is going all the way back to the 1800s, the start of this story. So, let's pick up the story. William Cooper, a young William Cooper, is at the mission that is run by Daniel and Janet Matthews, and he's learning about Christianity. He becomes a Christian there. And one of the things that he learns from his Christian faith is that every single person is created in God's image and has value. And that seems to be a theme that has really had a big impact on William Cooper's life, would you say? Oh, it had a huge impact on his life. And what he was seeing around him was that many Aboriginal people were were dying through introduced um, diseases, um, through being put on 
reserves where they were living in, in poverty and there was inadequate hygiene. And he was very um, distressed by that. And uh, so he, he knew from, from his uh, Bible teaching that all men and women are equal in the mm -hmm. sight of God. And he, he, mm -hmm. he was really uh, campaigning for his people to be lifted out of that situation where they were dying and in poverty. And uh, he really wanted them to have better conditions and a voice to parliament, which was something he campaigned for as well. You're listening to The Story. Today, author Barbara Miller is sharing with us about the life of a very important historical figure in Australia, William Cooper. As we just heard, Cooper championed the rights of Indigenous people, but also Barbara will share with us about how he fought for the rights of people outside of Australia and now has a plaque in his honour in Israel. We'll hear about that and more as we hear more of William Cooper's story when we return. The Story if this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with more of Barbara Miller sharing with us about the remarkable life of William Cooper, who Barbara has written three books on. William was an Aboriginal Christian Australian who lived from 1860 to 1941 and championed the rights of Indigenous people his entire life. Now, here's more of Barbara's chat with Eric Scadabo about Cooper's life and the many ways he's impacted Australia. And another thing that William Cooper campaigned for was something called Aboriginal Sunday. Tell us about that. Yes. And so basically he wanted to draw people's attention to the plight of Aboriginal people. And so he talked the National Missionary Council into instituting Aboriginal Sunday, which would be um, a Sunday near Australia Day every year. And this developed over about 15 years, it developed into being celebrated in uh, in July and eventually became a secular event and eventually became a, a week-long event that we celebrate today. We know it as NAIDOC, hmm. so National Aboriginal and On the Day Observance Committee. So it's a time of celebration for First Nations people in mm -hmm. Australia, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to yeah, come together and really celebrate their heritage. Many, many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are Christians, not mm -hmm. all certainly, mm -hmm. but often that um, is a factor as well. Okay, so that was just one of the many ways that he fought for the advancement of Aboriginal people, or as now the term is First Nations people. Let's go back to William Cooper and his fight for the advancement of First Nations people in Australia. What else did he do? Well, I think it's important to note that he founded um, the first um, national Aboriginal organisation um, in Australia, the mm -hmm. Australian Aborigines League, in 1933. And that was an amazing thing to do, really. And look, he, he he's really the father of so many 
um, of of the whole area of Aboriginal advancement in mm. Australia. So, mm -hmm. so that particular organisation amazingly still exists today under a slightly different name. And the people who started with William Cooper, who worked in um, that national organisation, the um, Australian Aborigines League, they were all Yorta Yorta people and they were all Christians. Oh, okay. um, they came from the Murray River area. Mm -hmm. They came from um, either Maloga or uh, Kumragunja, which was the state government reserve that came after Maloga. And so they all had that Christian heritage. There were two white people mm -hmm. um, that were working with them, Arthur Burdeau and Helen Bailey. Uh, but primarily um, it was the Yorta Yorta Aboriginal people, uh, a very strong group, I might add. Mm. And they were the stalwarts of that organisation. Okay, and also, interesting little bit of history, that William Cooper petitioned King George in the 1930s. Tell us about that. Yes, he did. Um, and so, basically, for him to get a petition like that with over 1,800 signatures to go to King George was an amazing feat because at that particular time, of course, uh, we didn't have the internet, yeah. uh, we didn't have um, TV, so basically he had to do a lot of letter writing and uh, also he had people like Arthur and Helen who would drive him around and so he he travelled amazingly because he was in his 70s mm, yeah. um, in this period of, of activism when he moved, after he moved to Melbourne and set up the league and so he, amazing that he was able to get all of those signatures and basically the petition was asking for better conditions and also representation in parliament. And the federal government, uh, Prime Minister Lyons, would not send it to the king because he said that Aboriginal people were not citizens of Australia. Hmm. And so that was something that was very hurtful yeah. at the time. And uh, so one of the things that, that happened is that the 1967 referendum campaign developed out of that. Although William Cooper passed away in 1941, he mentored his nephew, um, Pastor Sue Doug Nichols, who eventually became the governor of South Australia. And uh, he and some of the others from the league who lived on um, worked together for the 1967 referendum uh, that basically enabled Aboriginal people to be counted in the census and have the federal government make laws for them. Citizenship actually and, and voting rights came in the 60s before the referendum, but it was still a long way in the future. Wow. So William Cooper was the forerunner to all these events that you just mentioned. Absolutely. Yes. Wow, quite a heritage. And then also, as we heard in the introduction, William Cooper had a heart outside of Australia. He wanted to help the Jews in Germany. Please tell us about that. Yes. And so, obviously, he was a, a newspaper reader. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, he saw the stories of um, Kristallnacht. Yeah, what is Kristallnacht? Yes. Okay. So, it's the 9th uh, to the 10th of November in, in 1938. Basically, um, it was um, 
uh, a pogrom or, or riot of violence towards uh, Jewish people in Germany, mm-hmm. Austria and Sudetenland, which was part of Czechoslovakia. And it was inaugurated by the Nazis. Mm. So basically at Kristallnacht you had about 1,600 uh, synagogues that were burnt or the glass shattered. Hmm. So that's crystal knock means crystal night from the glass shattering. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, also, at least 91 Jews were killed, but others were killed after. Um, 30,000 Jews were sent to concentration camps, the hmm. first lot to actually be sent. So this is, in a sense, the beginning of the Holocaust. It was the start of the Holocaust hmm. and yep. uh, Jewish homes Um, Old people's homes and hospitals were also destroyed at that time. So it was a huge onslaught on the Jewish people. So here, William Cooper is in Australia fighting for Aboriginal rights, but yet he reads about this and has a heart for them as well. Yes, he was waiting for more world reaction, which didn't seem to be happening very much. I mean, there was some reaction, but not sufficient. And so... He basically had a meeting of the League and they passed a motion against um, the treatment of um, Jews and uh, he organised a protest march from his home in Fitzgray to the German consulate in the Melbourne CBD. Uh, The protest letter uh, was not accepted, uh, but there was a tiny bit in the Melbourne Argus newspaper about it, which was how... It was found out about many years later. Mm -hmm. So the event was lost to history in many ways and discovered decades later. And you discovered it. How did that impact you? Uh, It wasn't me that discovered it. Well, you eventually learned about it. I Yes, I learned about it. And uh, when when I saw something in the... Jewish newspaper mm-hmm. about the event at the Holocaust Museum in Melbourne mm-hmm. where they were honouring William Cooper. And since then, there's been a huge number of instances of honouring of William Cooper in Australia, plus also at Yad Vashem in Israel where Norman and I were privileged to attend. Mm-hmm. And there were 17 parliamentarians from Australia from a bipartisan group headed by Kevin Rudd, who was foreign minister at the time. And uh, basically, William Cooper was honoured there with a chair of resistance to the Holocaust named after him. Wow. And uh, it was at that same occasion that Kevin Rudd apologised on behalf of Australia for Australia's position at Evian. So those two things came together. Um, we had been campaigning for that Evian mm. apology from the Australian government for about 10 years. So two really important events converged. Mm. Yeah, so William Cooper is honoured in Israel. That's remarkable. Oh, yes. Um, Well, of course, Yad Vashem does um, honour the righteous amongst the Gentiles. He was not able to qualify for that, of course, because he didn't personally save Jewish lives. However, because there were so few protests, private protests worldwide against Kristallnacht, it was remarkable, particularly when Aboriginal people were not citizens in their own land. Mm, yeah. And so they had planted uh, trees for him in uh, Jerusalem and um, also at Yatia, um Forest. There's trees planted to him 
along with trees planted for um, other people who stood up to protect Jews during the Holocaust. Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but you marked the anniversary of that protest in a special way. Can you please tell us about that? Yes. So when I wrote the book on him in 2012, I felt it would be really good to have a reenactment of that protest walk or march. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got onto the German um, consul in Melbourne and asked him if he would receive a replica of William Cooper's petition, basically from his grandson, Uncle Bordy or Alf Turner. He Mm -hmm. said yes. He got clearance from the embassy in, in Canberra and we... We had this awesome reenactment with Jews, Aborigines, Christians, etc. And uh, when we got there, the German consul surprised us by actually apologising. So Mm -hmm. it was a very moving moment Mm -hmm. for Holocaust survivors and children of survivors who are with us. There was many, many tears Mm -hmm. and it was a very healing and moving moment. So, yes, it was just awesome to have been involved in in helping to bring that to pass. Wow. Um, For Norman and I, we don't just do something because it's a good idea. We do something because the Lord is leading us that way. Mm -hmm. So although our ministry is one of reconciliation, we don't go around saying sorry and apologising for this and that and everything. It's only when the Lord puts it on our heart Mm -hmm. and we stay faithful to his call on our life and so when when he does lead us to say sorry or, or apologise for hurts of history, which we believe we're called to heal, um, then there's a remarkable result that healing actually occurs because mm. the Lord is behind it. And so that's where our faith comes in. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Once again, Barbara Miller, for sharing not only your own story, but the wonderful legacy of William Cooper. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Eric. Um, Pleasure talking to you, and God bless you. That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with author Barbara Miller about the remarkable life of William Cooper. Cooper was an Australian Aboriginal political activist and community leader who was the first to lead a national movement recognised by the Australian government. Barbara has written three books on William Cooper, including one entitled White Australia Has a Black History, and another regarding the protest Cooper led against the Holocaust that we just heard about. To learn more about all of Barbara's books, you can go to her website. It's barbara-miller-books.com. Once again, that's barbara-miller-books.com. Finally, it was great to hear about the influence missionaries had on Cooper's young life. In addition to teaching him to read and write, they taught him the Bible and that all men were created equal. William Cooper's strong Christian faith had a huge impact on guiding his life and is an inspiring story for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us for Cooper's story as told to us by author Barbara Miller. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. 49723199, that phone number there is mine. If a policeman asks my name, I will sing this song to him again. So I taught this song to my children and I thought, well, if ever they do get lost, go to a policeman and sing them that song. 
Jenny Flack has been entertaining Australian children with Christian music for over 30 years. But unfortunately, along with the laughter of fun of children's entertainment, there's also been heartache and pain behind the scenes. Jenny will share the ups and downs of her story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.